He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome everybody to the Anthony Irwin Show. I am Anthony Irwin. Today joined by somebody, I'm, I'm a little annoyed at myself for not talking to this person sooner. Um, somebody whose coverage of the team I have always really, really enjoyed. Dan Wojcicki of the LA Times is hopping on here with us. Dan, how's the offseason treating you so far? Um, good. It is a um, it is a nice feeling to not have to worry about solving the same problem for 82 straight games. It is like, it, it honestly, it's like, and it's fun. It's like a fun part of my job right now where you send a lot of text messages to people and you're kind of saying like, well, what do you think about this? Should they do yeah. this? What, like what's going on? And like, just the answers are so all over the map that it is like, it's just like really fun. It's just like, yeah. it's a very fun time because there's like a lot is about to really happen. Yes. On that front, we are in complete agreement. I think we're probably on agreement on on a lot of how, the things that we're mm-hmm. going to talk about here today. But but that especially that it just feels like you know that we're we're in that moment before potential energy turns into kinetic energy energy yeah. right where it's just it is the ball is about to roll off of the table and. Where that ball goes, it could go through any number of different routes down this hill. Who knows? Um, you know, kind of like those those rolling balls of cheese that people chase in yes. Britain. It's just that thing could go anywhere. Yeah. You have all kinds of people chasing the story of where this thing is going to go. And we're just kind of stuck here in limbo waiting for that first kind of shoe to drop. Um, before, we, before we went live, you actually mentioned something that, that really kind of was interesting to me. And it's a, and actually a perfect starting point for the conversation here. And it's like, I was always kind of curious for those who covered the team day to day, followed the team day to day. You know, I, I cover the team. I watch all the games and all the stuff. I read all the quotes, but I do it from the safety and the comfort of my own home. But the, the people who were following the team as closely as you were, like, what was your favorite part? of this experience was there a favorite part of the experience um that's a really good question i mean i think you know there was a point in the season i i wish i knew exactly when it happened but it did sort of feel like at least like behind the scenes and conversations with us a fair number of the vets like kind of knew it wasn't going to work right like like where you know like look nba players are great at lying to themselves yeah, um, that's just like a general rule, and you have to be as a pro athlete. Like you have right. to be convinced that you're the best at what you do. You have to play with that kind of edge. You have to believe, um, like you know, Frank. They Vogel, overcome insane yeah. odds to get there. Totally. Like just like, to be in the NBA, you're, the sure. numbers are stacked against you. Yeah. So like you know, like this team, like even up until you know when Anthony Davis would say, you know, I thought we had a chance until we were eliminated. Like I, by and large, mostly believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, that there was like a sincere belief that like things would turn for some guys. The moments I enjoyed was sort of behind the scenes when people kind of knew it and were sort of like, like, what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and you started to hear 
like that's where you were able to kind of really pick apart the season and really take a step back and look at it honestly to say, how did this happen? Where did it go wrong? And, and like those were fun, interesting conversations because, I mean, you could look at this so many different ways. A lot of it tracks obviously back to the Westbrook deal, right, mm-hmm. as, as like a starting point. But look, I mean, this team made decisions in free agency that didn't work out. The coaching staff made decisions when it came to lineups that didn't work out. Um, the organization yeah. made a decision on Frank Vogel that, that I think started yeah. the season in in, in, in totally. a native light. Yeah, totally. And like you know, and then and then you add in the fact that like a bunch of guys got hurt. Like, I mean, I think it, it's it's funny to even just like move back. You say like, what's the favorite part? Which just like all these little moments of like weird little ironies or coincidences. I mean, you know, this is like a team we spent a, all of training camp in the build of training camp talking about injuries about, right? Like that mm-hmm. was going to be the thing. They're super old. I am oldish. So when I wake up and I feel like garbage, <laughs> I can imagine what it feels like same, yeah. to be a, an NBA player roughly of the same age is doing the same thing, right? And, and then, you know, they go into training camp and you and it's like two of the first three guys that get hurt are their two, two of their three youngest players. Yeah. And it's just like, Uh-oh. oh, it's going to be that year. <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's gonna be one of those so yeah i mean i think there was a certain point where it was like kind of everybody sort of like ejected a little bit but but it was i mean it was as tiring of a season that i've had on on the beat because um the The story was written yeah the problems were all largely the same from day one through the end of the season yeah did you have that moment of clarity like that moment of realization that oh yeah this isn't gonna go well because I, I I actually had one probably way early, not to say that I, I like I, I saw all of this coming in the way that it played out, but when they were at media day and Rob Link is getting ready to get interviewed on um, Spectrum, and as he's getting ready to get interviewed, Anthony Davis walks behind him and whispers to, according to Rob, uh, he just thanked me for signing DeAndre Jordan, and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. huh. Yeah. All right, because so much on this on this uh, of the season was predicated on Anthony Davis playing the five. It was the only way that the team was going to be able to space it well enough for Russ and LeBron to coexist out there. So when that went down, I was like, "That's not ideal," yeah. and and so on and so forth. But did you did you have a moment that you kind of recognized? Yeah, this the, this is it's only a matter of how bad this is going to go. Yeah, I mean, the winless preseason in itself mm. was like a little bit of a red flag. Um, I mean. Like you look, it's winning and losing in the preseason ultimately doesn't matter, but it's like how yeah. easy does it look when it goes right? Yeah, and it never really looked easy. Mm-hmm. It always looked strained a little bit, like you know, trying to force, um, you know, I'm trying to think like, like it's like you know, like old salad dressing that's like congealed and you have to like really work <laughs> to get it like through. Like it was like, Dan, that's, like that. that's usually when it's time to stop eating that salad dressing. That's why I don't eat salads. <laughs> um, but like, I think like, you know, that was something look, but, but I will say, um, and, and maybe I'm a, an idiot for this, or maybe, you know, like there was always like that little like glimmer in your mind. And I think people felt this with the Brooklyn Nets. People mm-hmm. will feel this with other teams throughout the year. And guess what? Like, It'll happen again next season, even though we keep getting proven wrong that like it doesn't really work this way. Is that like if you have a team that has LeBron James and Anthony Davis and they're healthy, like you got a good shot. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, I saw with my own two eyes last year in the first round of the playoffs where I thought they were pretty dominant through three games against the Phoenix Suns, a team that in hindsight is much better. Yep. And and you know, but like 
I mean, I'll, I'll still remember there was a guy at the end of game three who started heckling Cameron Payne. Cameron Payne makes like six straight shots and then the Suns go <laughs> like go like nuclear. And it's sort yeah. of like, oh, okay, like that like is a moment. But like obviously what happens is Anthony Davis gets hurt, season turns, I mean, series turns, and we're off to the races, you know. But I mean, look, that was a team that was playing against an injured Chris Paul, and like they looked like they were ready to put them away. And I think at the yeah. time I wrote that, I thought the Suns were done. Um, they looked flustered. I think Devin Booker had been ejected, if memory serves, for yes. like a flagrant two or something mm-hmm. like they had lost their composure a little bit. Um, so like I think I always sort of believed that like there was maybe going to be a like a light switch potentially with this team but like it's just the evidence that it was coming just like got harder and harder to stomach right like a line i used a lot was like you know if one person's hope is another person's delusion and i think like the line between ho- hope and delusion with this team was it was a a very thin one that yeah. a lot of people had to walk and i i mean at the end of the day, right? Like, I think the the thing you say, like the the moment that clicked for you, I think the moment that clicked for me, like, was there was a game probably in January. I don't even remember who they're playing. I remember talking to a scout before the game and saying something along the lines of like, when you watch the Lakers, like, just in your mind, draft the ten players on the court, mm-hmm. right? And if like, and this is like, you know, LeBron and AD are never playing together because one somebody's hurt, and it's like if you take, let's assume you take LeBron or AD first when do you pick a Lakers second? And it was almost always like either fifth or sixth. It, it, it was yeah. deep, right? Because they're mm-hmm. constantly playing lineups that had just more consistent, higher level talent. Like, look, the Lakers won sort of the, the, like the superstar awards on, on, on a lot of these matchups like that. If you believe, well, you have the best player, then you might have the best team. They, they were, they were heading a lot of those, but it's just like, if you just look at the depth and the talent on the court, um, you know, this was a roster that had zero middle class. It just yeah. didn't have a middle class. Um, and the guys that they had there either were Kendrick Nunn and injured or Taylor Horton Tucker and just a miserable fit with Russell Westbrook and LeBron James. Yeah, it was, it, it that was always kind of the analysis when the Lakers were playing against like, you know, teams and teams in the playoffs in previous years, right? Where, yeah, LeBron and AD are the best and second best players in the series, but how far down you, the list do you go before you get to talking about Kuz and Caruso and so on and so forth? And that was with those guys. And those guys are all say, those guys yeah. are all objectively better players than the guys that we're talking about now. Where if you're trying to if you're doing that same exercise in this matchup, yeah, LeBron and AD are the are the best and second best players probably in this matchup. But are you going like? 12 before you get to the next best. Like, I mean, I mean, no, at really a certain, yeah. I mean, at a certain point, like I know it was a big thing with fans at the end of the season, right? Was that like Frank Vogel should have played Austin Reeves more. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, like let's just unpack that sentence out loud. Like, and I think Austin Reeves, I, I, I mean, you can talk to other people around the beat. Like I was a pretty early, I think this guy does some things that can really help a basketball mm-hmm. team, but like, this was a dude who like definitely hit the rookie wall, like oh, for yeah. sure. Right. Yeah. And is, I mean, at the end of the day, like kudos to the front office. Um, he was one of probably the 20 best rookies in the league. I'm just guessing at that mm-hmm. number, but that seems about right. Um, but look, I mean, generally speaking, like you don't count on rookies to play real important rotation, especially on drafted on ones. Yeah. On championship teams and especially yeah. undrafted ones. Like it is rare. Like when you see like the, Herb Joneses, you see the Herb Joneses of the world, like that is like big time outlier. Yeah. Like, and, and so it was just like, I mean, at the end of the end of the day, like you're you're talking about guys that were either undrafted or on minimum salaries or 
or, you, you know, all of these things. Like at a certain point, it was like, you know, getting excited about a guy like Stanley Johnson or Wendy Gabriel. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I, I mean, I got why people would be excited about him. They were, they were young. They moved with, it was like, always relative excitement. It was always relative. It's mm-hmm. not, they aren't that guy. They aren't Wayne yeah. Ellington. They aren't Kent Bazemore. They, they can actually move, you know? Um, it, I'm, so you wrote an article at the very kind of a- end of the season where Anthony Davis gave you, gave you some very, I thought, telling quotes. Um, the most telling of, of the quotes that he gave you was when he said, what am I supposed to do about this? I landed yeah. on somebody's foot. Somebody dove into my knee. That's something that a lot of guys would miss a lot more time than I have missed in, in those kinds of injuries. Um, the thing that I have struggled the most with in retelling this, uh, the story of the season has been Anthony Davis because the people that I speak to about him, there's kind of two camps. The pro Anthony Davis camp will say uh, he came into the season a little bigger in an attempt to be ready for playing the center more. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there are people who don't necessarily roll with that uh, angle of the story on it who say he's kind of out of shape at the beginning of the year. Right. Sure. So I was curious if, if you have kind of a, a similar reading of the situation there or is, or is there a camp that, uh, more closely aligns with how you saw this season play out. And that's a, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, definitely Anthony would tell you, or AD, I forget. He doesn't like to, whatever. AD <laughs> would tell you <laughs> that he was not in great shape at the start of last season. Right. Like, totally made sense. Like, admittedly. So, yeah. Um, you know, coming off the, t- the bubble title, um, he chose relaxation a month later. Yeah, he chose a reset. He thought a mental reset was what he needed, not a physical one in that sense. Didn't build back up, was never in good shape, never had a rhythm for the season. Um, The Achilles injury is the type of injury you can kind of equate to maybe not being in great shape, um, that type of a strain. And like, so, you know, they're off to the races that way. Um, I I generally do feel like, you know, he came into camp this year um, and into the season with a much more like, I am going to be on the court approach. Like it was a stated goal. Um, I think he played in all but one of the preseason games. Um, the first game he missed in the season was, I think, because of a stomach bug. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't like the typical, you know, things that people say about AD, you know, like the the, the strange shoulders and stuff like that. It, it, it wasn't that kind of a thing. It was more, you know, he was out there. Um, he wasn't playing well, though. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think if you talk to people or like coaches and stuff like that, he just was the jumper was never in rhythm. No. All season. Um, couldn't stretch defenses, not the stretch big, um, that he's sort of cast as. And I think to me, he's sort of emblematic of the Lakers problems in a lot of ways, which is you had a bunch of guys who do some things well, and they were asked to do things because of the way the roster was constructed because of other things. They were asked to do things that they don't do Mm. as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and and it exposed players biggest weaknesses and and generally speaking as a team and in terms of roster construction and is like it should be the opposite you should put people in a position to succeed not ask them to things that they can't do and i and i think ultimately you know whether it's i look i think ad can handle the rigors of playing center in the nba me too i think it i think it's helpful to have some bulk around for the nights where maybe you don't want to 
um, expose mm-hmm. them as much for the nights when you're going to have to battle, um, you know, with the, I'm trying to think of like the super, super Embiid, physical bigs. Yeah, the, the I mean, Jokic is different because there's a little more of everything. But yeah, I mean, like even like the Nurkic's, like mm-hmm. the guys that are just like really, really physical, um, like those nights, you know, th- th- they'll happen. So it'll be good to have people around. But like a lot of nights it's going to be like Sabonis. Yeah. Too. And, and like, I think he's fine in those situations. Uh, I just think like, it's, it's just so hard to litigate with him because on one hand, you're right. You've got a player. Or, I mean, I, I do agree with him. Like those injuries are both super fluky. I agree. Yeah. You, I you think know? the whole conversation about his injury stuff is stupid. I, 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 but, but I mean, at a certain point, <laughs> freak but injuries, at, but I mean, at a certain point, and like, this is impossible to know. And I don't know this at a certain point, you have to ask yourself like, though, okay. Like if you keep, you know, if, if you're like Sideshow Bob and you keep like stepping on the rake, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like at what point is it on you to, to, yes. to make sure you don't hit the rake? Yeah, right. Stop blaming the rake. Yeah. yeah, you know, and so I, I look, I don't know what it, could he have done things in his treatment to, to be in better shape. So when was it Jared Vanderbilt or Jane McDaniels gets like pushed into his knee that it doesn't buckle that way. I mean, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. there's some, maybe there's some version of that, but like, it's certainly not like so much with this team. It's definitely not a, I'm going to put all my blame in this one bucket because it's yeah. simple. Like it was all pretty complex despite um, some pretty obvious kind of flaws. The part of it, the part of it when it came to AD and his approach to the season that made it difficult for me to just accept, yeah, he put on bulk because he was getting ready to play center was it's, it's kind of two parts. One on like a macro level, if you're adding bulk to play center, that's making you a lesser version of sure. yourself at that position. Because what makes AD a special center is his ability to basically move like a guard at that position. Mm-hmm. So when you're bulking up, you're making yourself less explosive. And we saw that at the beginning of the year where he was not finishing above the rim. It was a lot of around the rim, around defenders to try to get the ball to the backboard rather than catching lobs over the top of people. And then the second part of it on more specific to AD is I've never really seen bulk impact a player's ability to shoot in the way that we saw it with AD where like Dwight comes to mind as somebody who is so muscle bound that you can see how he can't shoot. Right. Cause yeah. he, I don't know if, if like I've always pictured Dwight like needing help clapping because his shoulders are so broad. Yeah. Um, but like, with with AD, I guess I, I I find it hard to believe that there was so much bulk, extra bulk on his body that he just like stopped he 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 stopped being able to shoot, and so in, when and I'm not by the way I'm not blaming him for the entirety of the season like we could we could sit here for the next I sure. guess three hours and and find all the people to blame here but with AD specifically he's the he's been the person that's been hardest for me to pin down and, and evaluate his season. Because just from an approach standpoint, that might have just been the first domino that set this season off in the wrong direction. I mean, I think it's, you know, um, it, it goes back to just like a lot of sort of, I think, like the psychological issues that this team has to deal with, too, which is like sort of, you know, and it, it, this is how they should be thinking, but it's tricky and it's confusing. And, and I've covered teams that have suffered from this is that, you know, you're making decisions in October with an eye towards June. Mm-hmm. Right. Or in this case, you know, a decision in July with it, like I'm going to bulk up because I need to be healthy for it. Like I can play myself more into shape. 
mm-hmm. as the season goes, I need to do X, Y, and Z. So I'm ready to go for the playoffs. Like, like everything matters. Like I just have to be healthy at the playoffs. And I think um, it's tricky to like approach a, a season that way because it's just like so much stuff happens between yes game one and game 82. Like the Clippers teams that I used to cover, particularly like kind of deeper into the Lob City era, like you would talk to them and like, like I would talk to my sources on the team players that are, you know, pretty well regarded NBA players. And they would say things like, like, this is just exhausting. And what was exhausting wasn't the, it, it, it was the, the mental sort of like patience required to pretend to be excited about game 40 when you <laughs> yeah. knew the only way your season was going to be a success was if you won a title or not. Right. right. And, and like, so like there wasn't as much like process to embrace for those teams. Now where I think I got it wrong with this Lakers team is I thought Russ would be that process. Mm-hmm. I thought like by injecting Russell Westbrook into this mix, right? Like you have given this team a Rubik's cube to solve. Like, yep. this is the challenge, figure it out, go out on the floor, figure it out. It's not going to be instantaneous. It's going to take time, but like this should carry you. Yeah. The process it, should keep it fresh in a way that I felt like the LeBron AD and like Frank Vogel sort of defensive partnership in year one of Frank Vogel, you know, helped that team through the first three months of that season and like kept them engaged in a way that maybe other contenders weren't like they really attacked that regular season. Mm-hmm. And and the reason they did was they were learning to play together. They were, they were learning how to play at a, a def, with a defensive edge and intensity that, you know, was new and exciting in that way. And I, and I think, so I thought maybe that would be the process this year. Obviously what happens is, is pretty early on, they realize like this Rubik's cube is like one, one side of it, like just has no color on it. It's impossible. So like, we're not going to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. And, and 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 that also too, like I think pretty early on knew they weren't good enough to reach that end goal um, as constructed, and so I think that tainted almost all of these sort of like, you know, let's let's get to June. We just got to get to June. Like I, I think um, an interesting kind of thought exercise I've had, and I've, I've discussed this with a couple coaches um, on the roster or that were on the roster and the coaching staff was like sort of like would this team have been better off? if its stated goal on February 1st was to make the playoffs instead of mm-hmm. win the title, mm-hmm. like if like could there have been a fully functional refocusing that like, you know, and then maybe they're in the situation that Brooklyn is in instead of the one they are. I'm not sure if it's any better or worse. I mean, it seems pretty similar today to me, yeah. but like, I think, you know, you do wonder though. I mean, like there, like I felt in watching guys sort of a, a accumulation of strain on their shoulders because it was like, you know, they knew they had to climb a mountain and not a hill. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that makes, that makes a lot of sense that, and just in general, you know, like I, I'll tell you this right now, I record a daily show and mm-hmm. they're like 10 minutes long. I'm not trying to win a Webby with every single one of them, sure. you know, like it's not, it, and, and sometimes there are just nights that, I have to remind myself, okay, I, I do really, you know, I, I got to pick up the energy in segment two here because uh, I feel like I probably, I, I just did the uh, podcasting equivalent of missing like three straight rotations. I just, yeah. I just whiffed on three straight jokes and whoever is listening to this, I'm sorry, I'll be better tomorrow. <laughs> um, but like, yeah. but, but, you know, doing that for, as an NBA player where you have, people watching and rewatching and finding clips of you and, and, and looking, you know, there's, there's, Mm -hmm. there's, uh, 
almost it's, it's almost like transactional where you want to be the person who finds Russell Westbrook staring in the wrong direction as this guy back cuts, right? Sure. And I can just see why that would be exhausting to be an NBA player where they are approaching it as if you are a 2K character and yet you're a, you're a normal human yeah. being. And all of these guys, by the way, have done this so many times over the course of their careers that, yeah, it's, it's really difficult for all of everybody here involved to get up for game number 43, given that they have played 17 game 43s. Well, and the other the other challenge with this team too was that you also had a lot of guys. Um, like the question is sort of like who you are versus who you were, mm-hmm. right? It was like just like yes. it's a, I mean, I mean, yeah. like that's just a confusing question, and that's hard for people to answer just on a on a on a human being level. Like you look at someone like Carmelo Anthony, who um, by and large I think succeeded as sort of like this offensive minded, just like high, like again, way too many minutes wore down as the season went on, had to play way more than anybody wanted him to play. But like, I think it's just sort of this guy who's going to spot up, make threes and give you a little punch off your bench. Like he, he had settled into that, which like four years ago was like why he was on his way out of the league. So he mm-hmm. couldn't do it. Right. Like there was just like, it was too difficult. It was too hard to recalibrate. I saw Paul Pierce firsthand. I saw Paul Pierce unable to do it with the Clippers. Kobe just flat out said at the end of his, he was never going to do that. Yeah, it just it, because <laughs> yeah. it's such it's such a mental adjustment, and I mean, so like I think on this Lakers team, right? Like you had Russell Westbrook, this like do it all, like that is like how he has made his name in the NBA, right? One of the top seventy five greatest players of all time because nobody accumulated statistics the way he did. Like yeah. so, so now he has to change, right? And his change is going to have to be drastic, right? You have um, Anthony Davis who is trying to figure out where he lands. You had LeBron who's like trying to, you know, I, I mean, morph this year into a score sort of out of necessity because there wasn't enough other offense, but so it changed the way he made his teammates better or didn't in this case. You mm-hmm. had, um, you know, you had other other levels of players on, on your team um, that are trying to figure out, you know, like take like a guy like you mentioned DeAndre Jordan earlier, right? Like DeAndre, the DeAndre Jordan I covered six years ago was a guy who, um, was active and was intense and into every possession because his physical because his physical energy energy yeah. levels allowed for it. Six years later, that wasn't the case. So yeah. can he could he be a guy that could do it every three nights, you know, or did he need to be in there all the time to play himself into rhythm? Did guys like Quinn Ellington need to be on the court more often to be in a rhythm? It was sort of like a snake eating its own tail at a certain point where it's like, are these guys not in rhythm or are they will they ever be able to find rhythm? Yeah, and like, it is, it, is it possible answer. to get them into rhythm? <laughs> it was an impossible answer for so many of these yeah. guys. And so I, I just think that it was like, you know, again, a lot of people miscast into roles that they either A, weren't accustomed to, or B, unable to, to, to do. And I think that's sort of mostly what I what I saw over the course of the season with this team. But, I mean, I mean, it was just a lot of different things. And I think... Hey, it, it, it's a really interesting challenge for them moving ahead because they're going to have to like all of the, like so many of the problems that they encountered this year, they are going to have to embrace and get better at next year, next year, because the continuity is going to suck again. Yep. Like, because they are making, it's going to be even worse. They aren't going to have a head coach. Like yeah, they, yeah. it's a brand it's new gonna head coach. Be, it's going to be even bigger changes, right? Yeah. Uh, you're on just as tight as a budget actually worse again mm-hmm. than last year because 
you kind of shot your shot in some ways with Russell Westbrook and you tied up a ton of money into him. So you have to make a decision there. Oh, you mean asset wise then asset wise. Yeah. Okay, even, yeah. even, even as, yeah, in terms of asset wise, like, I mean, you could have flipped. So I was going to say if the people listening to this here, they're on a tighter budget than last year and they had to let Caruso walk because of luxury sure. taxes. They're going to exactly. be like, Oh yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. but I mean, look, they can't like, they don't even have the ability to go into the luxury tax in a lot of ways this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like for, I mean, like they don't have bird rights for anybody. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like they it's not like they could overpay Malik Monk if they wanted. Yeah. It's not even an option. So like, I think it is going to be um, a real test to, to kind of be creative and find value in specialists. And you have to like really nail down who you think these players are going to be. Um, otherwise, like, I don't know, it's pretty easy to imagine a similar season. That's a that's a that's a perfect kind of launching point for the last topic here. And like I, I you uh, at the LA Times wrote a really good article, kind of wrapping up and encapsulating uh, what went wrong, how it went wrong, and 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 some of the you know involved parties and and how that went wrong. Um, those same involved parties are, are going to be the ones tasked with figuring this out, right? There is no change organizationally, Kurt Rambis mm-hmm. is still going to hold his power. Rob Link is still going to hold his power. Um, LeBron will have you think, uh, based on that exit interview, oh, yeah, sure, I'll, to- I'll pick up the phone if they call, but sure. he's going to have his, you know, some level of, of power um, in the same way that he has. Uh, I, based off of the things that you've heard to this point, and I know there's kind of a, a, a decompression yeah. stretch, uh, at the very beginning, especially while all these other teams are, are, are still playing, but are you getting the sense that there's confidence organizationally that they can turn this around? Like, or, or do you, you know, just based on conversations that you've had so far, is this the kind of thing that, yeah, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> we'll give it the old child college try. I think it's more the latter to be totally mm-hmm. honest. I mean, mm-hmm. I think like, there are people certainly within the organization who are optimists and they've got great reasons to be optimistic. Right. Like I, I, I look back to the Lakers signing LeBron James, right. Mm-hmm. That was not a, that was not a, a acquisition that was born out of shrewd management. Yeah. It happened during chaos, right? Yeah. Like during full on chaos organizationally yeah. little coup attempts. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, yeah. and no, and like they were able to get LeBron James and from there they were able to, get Anthony Davis and they won a title and, and, you know, you know, good for the organization. Right. Um, so it didn't really matter um, at that point, like the situation they were in, they were able to make a couple moves, I guess, clear some cap space and you get the guy who wanted to come to you. So I think there is like some comfort for some people that feel like even if this goes wrong in two years, it'll be someone else mm-hmm. or three years. It'll be some, whenever it is, whenever the number is, I mean, the way the books are kind of set right now it would be next summer, not this summer, but next summer there'll be someone else. Right. Um, then you talk to some other people though, and they say, well, you know, post Kobe, like there were going to be someone else summers a bunch of times and the took team seven didn't get years. Anybody. Yeah. And the team didn't get anybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they missed on the Marcus Aldridge. They missed on Carmelo Anthony. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there is a much longer KD list. didn't even give him a meeting. Didn't get a meeting with Kevin Durant. Right. Like, so there, there are, um, you know, people in that camp that you talk to say like, boy, like they've got to figure out a way to, I mean, I mean, really ultimately like you hear the word luck a lot, which is like, mm-hmm. if, if you do one of these Westbrook trades that have been written about um, and I'm not so sure how doable they are, like 
the Charlotte or the Indiana, like we'll take on long money mm-hmm. um, and we'll dump our distressed asset and probably have to attach at least a pick, if not more. Um, you know, if you look at those trades, like, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon was flagged medically out of the draft. There is a reason he was yep. drafted where he was drafted, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and if you look at his games played, like if you trade for Malcolm Brogdon, he is probably going to miss at least 25 games. I think he's played about as many games as Gordon Hayward. That was point number two, (laughs) is that if you do the trade with Charlotte, now you're trading for a guy whose, you know, foot almost fell off on TV during a game and has, you know, really struggled to stay on the court since. Mm -hmm. And you are taking on another injured player um, with long money on on, on that deal. And you're doing so on a team that has injured players. Yeah. um, In your stars, right? Like, I mean, I think it's reasonable to, 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 to... to figure that LeBron will probably play around 60 games. That seems like a safe yep. number moving forwards for a player at his stage in his career. And if you can play at the level he played at this year, so be it. Like, that'll be great. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they need Anthony Davis to play more than 60 games. Like, that yeah. has to happen. Um, but, like, if you're going to acquire this, if you're going to be if you're going to be flipping, like, I mean, for all of Russell Westbrook's flaws, like, I mean, like, that dude at least was there. Yeah. Like, this year. And, and so I think when you're trading, if you're talking about trading him, um, you know, and you're going to be, get, you're not, you're not going to be getting, um, sure games. thing value. Yeah. You're not getting sure thing value in any stretch. And now you're talking about maybe sacrificing yet another first round pick, maybe another swap. Um, you know, you're kicking the ball down further and further down. And that's the challenge. It's the challenge with, um, a LeBron James team always, but definitely with a LeBron James team as he nears 40, which yeah. is how, when now do we want to be? Right. And I think, Honestly, like we'll see. That's it's probably of all the decisions that happen this summer, the one I think the most most telling is what happens with the LeBron James extension. Mm -hmm. Is like if one happens, um, like how aggressive is this organization going to be to make sure that those years aren't like the end of the Kobe years, where it becomes about just one guy chasing um, statistics and stuff like that, surrounded by a bunch of lesser players, or does it become? You know, or can you build a competitive team around a guy who makes forty million dollars um, that and deep into his career? Yeah, yeah. It, it's a really it's a really difficult math problem, and I'm not. Um, I think we you talk to some people who think like I think we can figure it out. We've had success this way before. Like their backs were against the wall in the summer of 2019. Um, when magic, when they miss, yeah, and then they miss on Kawhi. They like they had mm-hmm. a coaching search. Um, I had that thought yesterday, by the way, how differently does basketball in the city look if, if the Clippers or the Lakers actually aggressively chased Jimmy Butler at that time, instead of the routes that they, that they both went. Um, but, but, you know, you look at that, that summer and it's like the Lakers were not in a good position. Yeah. And and even after training for Anthony Davis, like they were shopping at the, the, the image that's always in my mind is when they show like the thunderstorms, like on the East coast. And, yeah. they, and everybody freaks out and goes to the grocery store. And then like they show the shelves totally picked over. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was the stage of free agency. Like yeah. the Lakers like entered a the, bunch the of fray. single ply toilet paper. Yeah. Like... And like some spam and stuff. And like, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, like some canned, like chicken in a can, like you're picking off of all of this stuff. Like you're not, you're getting your first choice and look, and the Lakers crushed it. Like, yeah. They, they like, well, they had decisions. plan B lined up, right? They plan told B Danny green perfect. that like, Hey, you know, if you just wait, we'll overpay you, but you just wait. We promise but even we'll down the road. I mean, like yeah. it wasn't just Andy. I mean, like even to like, you know, you know, taking the Dwight Howard risk, um, yeah. you know, et cetera. Like I just, Rondo. Think they, yeah, Rondo, like they hit all those, those smaller decisions 
Um, Avery Bradley on that deal the first time around was an effective player, you know, with them. I know he's not everybody's favorite player, but, you know, was did what he was was a good fit in that group. I think, <clears throat> you know, can they do that again? It's possible. Yeah, it, it's you know, I just don't know how anybody like super credibly believes it. Have you gotten any kind of a sense on their willingness to include a pick? Is, is that is that that's probably the question, right? Being asked right now is because sure. to me, that to me, you mentioned LeBron's extension. I think based on, you know, some of the other stuff that you kind of hear whispered about that he's kind of holding off on that decision based on how things go with this pick can will because look he made no gripes about it um regardless of what he told bill at that one uh press conference when he went at bill for saying everything negative right but sure. but uh like he was pissed at the fact that they didn't want to include that pick at to try to get one more shot at, at a championship when he was capable of leading the league in scoring yeah. and i think he's from where I'm standing, I think it's it, it seems likely that he's waiting on this decision with his extension to see what they are willing to, what they're able to do with Russ and with those two first round picks. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> I think there's a willingness to include that pick. I think there is a. I mean, everybody's on the clock, right? Yeah. Ultimately, organizationally, like yeah. I think I think there's only so many more years. Like the coach has been fired. Okay, so then if that there's no more meat shields, yeah, who else is it going to be? It's going to be important. It's not to say Frank Vogel was important. Yeah, excuse me. It's going to be different people, whether it's LeBron James, Rob Palenka, whoever, right? Like those Mm -hmm. are the next. Those are generally speaking the next dominoes to fall as this organization moves into its next phase. You know, I, I think it's just really interesting to kind of figure out, you know, what what like what Russ and those two picks gets you. I think mm-hmm. it's just it, it's it's a question that honestly, like not a lot of people know. It, it's hard to assign value to a first round draft pick in seven seasons. Yeah, like it's yeah. just hard. Like I mean, like it is. It's well, hard. Which for the executive Lakers. can confidently say they're going to be able to use that pick? I mean, none. Right. Yeah. So, like, that's the other. Like, I mean, that's the other tricky part about all of this stuff is sort of like, you know, so you do have to like. Again, I, I think that is the biggest takeaway that I've gotten when I've talked to people about Russell Westbrook and Russell Westbrook trades is that is like even with picks attached, like this is a distressed asset that you are going to return. You're not getting a non-distressed asset back. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, I mean, whether so, I mean, you're looking at players that are either making too much money, who have injury histories, who have both, <laughs> both who have personality flaws, yeah, who have, um, you know, other off-court baggages, issues, stuff like that. I mean, that is that is the pool in which you are shopping, even with those picks. Mm-hmm. It is not a situation in which you look at it and say, oh, like, we've got those two picks, like, Russ and those two first for Dame, let's get it done. Like, I don't think it, like, I just don't think that that's happening. I, I yeah. think um, it doesn't seem to me like it's going to be that type of a deal. It seems it's going to be much more, and, and that's where I, I, am, I am glad I am not, Rob Plinka, a Rambus or whoever these people are that are going to be making these decisions because it's tricky. Like you have to service two masters at once. You have to deal with the fact that you have the most win now situation probably in league history in like a 38 year old LeBron James. Um, while at the same time that it's like, 
I mean, if you really do just keep kicking money down in the future, like you're just going further and further into a hole Mm -hmm. and you're postponing whatever it's going to look like next. It's, it's hard. It's a bad spot. And that's why I think like, it's going to take some really good luck. Yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, what finally pushes them in on that, because the reason they didn't use that pick, right. And you know, this as well, as well as anybody, the reason they did, they didn't push in is because they weren't going to get a player back who was going to help them win a championship this year. So they said, let's keep that powder try and see if that pick and Russ's salary being expiring and another pick turns you into a player who does help you win a championship. Mm-hmm. The question remains, though, if that's even still the case now. And I I don't know, based on the things that I've heard, I don't think it is. I don't think the player that they get back wins you a championship. Does it make you better than you were when Russ was still on your team and it didn't the, the fit didn't make any sense with LeBron? Yeah, but I don't know that it wins you a championship. And that's the question that Rob is going to have to ask Jeannie. Like, hey, is it this is this trade's essentially a shot in the dark at making us better now. Would you rather us plan for post LeBron? I, I don't know how she would answer that. I don't know either. And, and it, it really is, like I said, I mean, it's, it's why this off is so interesting is that like, none of these things are little decisions. Like they all feel like you are making plant your flag. Like yeah. let's figure out what, like who we are and what we are going to be for the foreseeable future, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard. It's just, it's like, it is a hard spot. And on top of that, like not a great free agency class, like mm-hmm. not a great men class. Like when you start looking at like, no. who are the guys? Like I was talking to a scout the other day and like, just kind of kicking the tires. on like, who, who would be a good Laker minimum signings? And it's like, jokingly, like two of the names that show up are Dennis Schroeder and Andre Drummond. And it's like, <laughs> That's I'm sort not of, ready for that day on Twitter. I know, I know. And that's just sort of like, okay. Well, like, but I mean, that is like, that's sort of, that's why so many teams were active at the day, at the trade deadline, kind of making moves around the periphery and stuff is like people wanted to get in line. Cause they knew it was going to be a, a weird summer. Mm-hmm. And here are the Lakers like going into it, needing to sign. I mean, well, so they'll have trying to, how many guys do they have under contract right now? They have three, four, five, six. Yeah. That's the Bronny D. Gabriel Johnson Reeves and THT and Russ and Russ. Russ. Yeah. But, but I mean, so, but like of those guys, right? Like ideally you're not going into next season with, and we'll we'll assume Kendrick Nunn is going to opt in, but like, you're not going into next season with winning Gabriel is like an important piece for you or ideally Stanley Johnson necessarily being an important player. Like it's fine if you do have them on your roster, but like consensus in general, general kind of wisdom would say like, all right, you're going to need to upgrade these positions. So they're going to have to hit on five or six more free agency signings yeah. with a um, taxpayer exception and five minimum deals. Yeah. In a tough market. Like it is, yeah. and no draft pick. And, and, you know, with their position in the <clears throat> league somewhat kind of more questionable than it's been in years past, where, you know, at the beginning of LeBron's tenure in LA, there were a lot more vets that were willing to go out of their way to sign with the Lakers. One of the things that we've kind of seen recently is, yeah, there's a little less interest in that market. Um, I've, I've taken up too much of your time. I greatly, greatly appreciate you hopping on. Um, I'm happy to hear that you're enjoying the off season to this point. 
Can't wait to see how you cover yeah. uh, those big decisions that you have coming. Is there anything you want to plug before we get you out of here? I would just, you know, if people can come check us out at the LA Times, I have a newsletter there that's free if you don't want to subscribe that like is a little more informal kind of discussion than the stuff I'm writing on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually try to pimp a band in there that I really like. There you go. Too. Um, <laughs> and, and so that's like fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I love the LA Times. I would, I would encourage people to subscribe. It is a civic institution is important. Yeah, I, I am a subscriber, so you guys should be too. Thank you very much. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Anthony Irwin Show. Busy day today, three podcasts, so you guys can go out there and you have plenty of time. There's way too much in my voice. So until next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin. That was Dan Wakey. We'll, we'll talk to you guys next week.